Ever wonder about questions that don't seem to have solid answers? Like if God is so good, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Or why should we trust the Bible and who wrote it anyway? Maybe you found the answers, but they didn't fully satisfy you. Well, welcome to Straight From The Bible, where you can find real answers from God's Word. Give us a call if something's on your heart. You can call us right now at 472-1111 or in the CNMI at 323-1113. You can also text or WhatsApp your questions to 671-686-9999. And now, straight from the Bible with Pastor Masih Ideong. Half a day and good evening. This is Pastor Masih Ideong and I'm here with Scotty with Straight from the Bible. Thank you so much. Well, let's go ahead and bow our heads for a word of prayer as we begin our study this afternoon. Let's pray. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we are here today. We pray for a blessing, O Lord, as we study your word. And dear Lord, we know that we cannot study it or understand it unless your Spirit teaches us. So please be our teacher today, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Straight from the Bible. We're going to continue on with the questions that we're catching up with. And uh, I believe we still have a few more on the sheet. So go ahead, Scotty, whenever you're ready. Okay, I am ready. So our first question for today is, a listener from Saipan asks, did Adam and Eve have a daughter? And who did Cain get married to? Okay, great question. So a lot of people have asked the question whether um, Adam and Eve had, had, had other daughters aside from Cain and Abel, and where did Cain, um, where did he get you know, his wife from? Mm-hmm. So let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 4, verse 17, real quickly. Genesis chapter 4, and it's in verse 17, I believe. Yes, yeah, so this is where it speaks of Cain. It says, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he builded a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. That's, not, that's a different Enoch from the one, other one we, that we more commonly know. Mm. So it says here that Cain uh, married somebody. He knew his wife, or he, you know, he got married and he had children. And so from the record, from what we can see is, who was, did Adam and Eve have other children? The answer is yes. Yes, they did. Uh, did they have daughters? Uh, yes. Yes, they did. Do we know their names? So the Bible doesn't record them, uh, but we, we can say that because there were no other people around, uh, they would have had to procreate and multiply on the face of the earth, uh, of course, with their siblings or with their cousins and generationally as that went on. Uh, back in those days, our genes, of course, were uh, still very perfect and holy straight from, uh, I mean, rather, although they had fallen into sin, their genes were still pretty good and holy and and uh, not the way that genes are today. And so they didn't have some of the issues that we have today uh, with um, an intermarriage of uh, very closely blood-related people. And so he would have married probably either a, it could have been uh, a sibling or uh, a niece or a great-great-great-grand-something uh, uh-huh. over time. Because the Bible doesn't actually give us the record of how long Cain was out there. It could have been... It uh, could have been more than 50 or 100 years or even so. And that would have given enough time for, the, uh, for Adam and Eve, of course, to have other children. And for them, of course, to meet one day. And, and that's who Cain had married. Mm. Nice, Pastor. Thank you for answering that question. Uh, 
I know my daughter had a question about that, and she's learning the Bible. She had a similar question Good. just like this. It was the same for me, too, and I'm glad you, uh, your daughter's you know, thinking about those things, because those are things to think about. And yes, as closely as we can see from the Bible, uh, yes, it would have been uh, intermarriage within mm. uh, the, the family. Yes. And the genes then were not as they are now, and of course, mm-hmm. that uh, they were supposed to go out through all the world. Right. And so at some point... You know, Cain met one of them, yeah. and of course they uh, they got together. Yes, and they had to start somewhere. Yes, exactly. Right? And everybody, really, we all came from Adam and <laughs> right. Eve, so yeah, yes, it, we're yes, not too we largely did. different. Thank you, Pastor. Moving on to the next. Okay, uh, this one's about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. What happens if two people are arguing and one passes away? What happens next? What happens if two people are arguing and one passes away? Mm-hmm. You know, the answer is I don't know. It really would really depend on the situation. And, of course, I guess maybe the questioner is asking, uh, will that person be saved or not? I, I'm assuming oh. that's kind of where they're coming from. And the answer is I really don't know. We really leave things like that uh, in the hands of God when it comes to things like that because there may be more to the story. However, the Bible does give us a lot of counsel on what to do when we do have arguments, we go to the book of Matthew chapter 18, how to solve arguments. You know, we do it uh, in a spirit of love and redemptive love. And, and we go through a process found in Matthew chapter 18. And then when you look at Galatians chapter 6, it talks about how you do it and in what spirit uh, you do it. Actually, let me read that for us. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says this. Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And then verse 2, Bear ye one another's burdens, and fulfill the law of Christ. So we, we don't, when it comes to the particulars of what happens to a person after an argument, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Uh, however, we, the Bible does have a lot to say regarding how to deal with arguments and you know how to make them right. And since we're kind of touching on this, I'd like to share a story of a, a true story of a young girl in high school. And she was really bothered and troubled because um, the last time she had spoken to her mother and father was not in a very positive way. And soon after they had that argument, um, both of her parents passed away in some kind of accident, I believe. Oh, my. And she asked me, she said, Pastor, I've been feeling so guilty all these years. I said, I feel so guilty because that was the last thing that I, um, that I did and that I said with my parents, and it was not something good. And she really was just wondering if she could ever be forgiven, and I said, of course. You know, first of all, if the people that we love that we may not have said nice things to or not kind to, I don't think if they were alive today that they would want us to live in that kind of pain and misery. Mm -hmm. And of course, sometimes when we get angry and of course our emotions may uh, take control and the enemy might influence us to say and do things wrong. But praise God, there is still forgiveness and we don't have to live in guilt and remorse forever and ever feeling that that has to be our lot in life. Hmm. Fortunately, uh, if we made mistakes, we can, of course, ask forgiveness from God. And God will, of course, uh, forgive us. 
And of course, those who we may have wronged, who may have passed away, they cannot do that. But of course, we can make things right with the Lord. And then when you do, by faith, believe that you have been forgiven. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so you don't have to live in remorse and regret and sorrow all the days of your life because of of, uh, of a single incident. So that, that's right. Uh, we don't know the particulars of that particular question, mm-hmm. but I would definitely say uh, we leave that in the hands of God. Yes. But you know, if you can make things right right now with those that are alive, then do it. However, if if you no longer have that opportunity, then simply say it to the Lord and then believe that God has forgiven you and cleansed you. And by faith, uh, rejoice in that promise. Oh, yes. Thank you, Pastor. We have a, a question came in pertaining arguing. Um, they're just asking, what is arguing? What is arguing? What is arguing, yes. Um, you know, our listener, his second language is English. Ah, okay. So he, you have to explain what sure. is arguing. You know, my second language is English too. Hey, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not I, I'm not a, a an English expert, but I, right. uh, by God's grace, let me let me at least share how I've seen the word argue be used. Of course, an argue, of course, is uh, when two people, um, in the way that I understand it, mm-hmm. when two people in the wrong spirit try to bring their point across to the other, in the uh-huh. wrong spirit. Uh-huh. That's the way that I've seen argue. Oh, yes. Now, at least that, that's the way that I've understood our, our argument to be. Now, um, somebody once said this, what is more important than being right is being right in the right spirit. You can know the truth and you can be right, but when you have the wrong attitude and you just beat up people with the truth, uh, that is no longer something that's right. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. We are, the Bible says that meekness and kindness and patience mm-hmm. Uh, we are to live uh, before people as uh, as best as we can in the spirit of humility. And as much as we can, live peaceably with all men, the Bible says. And so that's the definition of argue that I've known mm-hmm. and uh, the Bible counsels us against. Uh, the spirit of um, trying to prove ourselves right in the wrong attitude. And, you know, it's... We're living in a sinful world, and we're always going to have issues that do pop up here and there. And people, of course, will have disagreements. It's Mm -hmm. how you handle those disagreements that really, really matter. When you think of Jesus, Jesus was the most mistreated person in the world. Mm -hmm. And yet the Bible describes him as a lamb led to the slaughter. And he was uh, quiet, he was meek, Mm -hmm. he was humble. He had let his whole life do the preaching. Of course, he spoke, but during that time, he, his character preached even louder. So although they mistreated him and they had the wrong spirit, and yet that wrong spirit that others had did not change his attitude. No. And likewise with us, uh, people may say mean things to you. People may argue. People may want to get their point across. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, the Bible says uh, uh, for us to have a, a gentle, loving spirit, yes. you can let people go ahead and, and finish what they need to say or express what they need to say. And then when the time is right and the opportunity is right, then you can go ahead and, uh, and uh, you know, give your side of the story. Yes. And, the, you know, there's a text in Proverbs that says, a soft answer breaketh the bones, 
people may wonder, well, do, you, do you do martial arts? And I says, yes, I do Bible martial arts. <laughs> and my martial arts is, is worse because it breaks bones. <laughs> right. And the Bible says a soft answer or a soft tongue breaketh the bones. Mm-hmm. And that means that in the gentleness and the meekness and love of Christ, uh, we can uh, we can either respond to somebody mm-hmm. who may be arguing with us in a wrong way. And uh, when you do that, uh, God can bless you. You know, speaking of that, Scott, I remember some. I used to go door to door as well, uh-huh. and people sometimes want to get into a debate with me. Uh-huh. And that's another way that argue can kind of lead to can be a debate. And for me, I don't spend time really with debates. I, I quickly share my testimony and what Christ had done for me. And I found that when I do that, uh, p- that spirit of debate and, and combativeness kind of disappears with people, mm-hmm. and they end up genuinely listening. Because you can never, you know, argue and debate uh, a testimony, at least from from what right. I've experienced. And people tend to listen. Nice. Yeah, I hope that's as best as I can by God's grace through what I see in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there are other words for the, the other definitions, of course, for argument, argue your argument. And uh, yeah, a dictionary, or you can look it up online. Yes. I actually have it up right now. Oh, great. Now. Go ahead and read it, Scott, yes. please. And okay, the definition for arguing is exchange or expression diverging or opposite views, typically in a heated or angry way. Okay, wonderful. I'm glad you 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 focus that on last part. Mm-hmm. The first part is not bad when it says it is an exchange of ideas or views. Nothing right. wrong with that. Right. It's when it's in a heated manner mm-hmm. where people are getting angry and emotional about it. That's wrong. I have friends from many different phases, and even no. I believe no phase and, and people that I don't agree with on everything. And yet we have different, different views and mm-hmm. we have similar views. But our differences, because we're mature enough, our differences don't get in the way of our friendship and our love. We, we love one another. And so I like the first part where you're able to argue in the sense that you're sharing your views on, right. on something. And they can also share their views on something. In the right spirit. Yes. It's when it becomes heated or angry or, or people get mad and people want to get violent. Yeah. And you want you want to just do all sorts of crazy things. That's when it's the wrong spirit. Yes. And uh, somebody, I read this quote, Scotty, years ago, and I loved it. And I've tried to really uh, apply it in my life. And it goes like this. It goes, um, first, seek to understand. Then, to be understood. <laughs> And so seek first to try to put yourself in another person's shoes Mm -hmm. and try to understand them rather than trying to force your opinion first before uh, anything else. And when you look at Jesus, I think of Jesus with the woman at the well. There you go. That's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. He let her at times take the lead in the conversation, shifting it away from what was the the real, the main point of the discussion. And he he let her do that, and then he brought it back to the main point. Yes. And in the spirit of love, um, she was converted. Yeah, she was. So, yeah. And there was no heated argument there. There was no heated argument right? indeed. Yes, Scotty, thank yes. you. Thank you, Pastor, for answering that question. Another question from a listener from Saipan. The book of Revelations has two very short periods of time. One is Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. Where is the other one? Somewhere in Revelation, it says the wicked will rule for a short period of time. Okay. Let's look at Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. And Scotty, maybe you can read that when you get there. Yes. Revelation, Revelation. chapter 8, verse 1. That's the first text that the listener uh, referred to. 8, verse 1. Okay. 
and it's coming up. All right, and I'm there. Okay, go ahead and read it. I'm I'm just going to change the translation sure, here. No to, problem. Go right ahead to new to new King James. Sure. Okay, Revelation chapter eight, verse one, and it reads: When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Okay, thirty great. minutes. Well, our time is 30 minutes. 30 minutes, yes, <laughs> yes. And so the, the question was, where's the other one that's short regarding the wicked kind of ruling for a time? Yes. Uh, let me see. This is We're going to go down to Revelation chapter uh, 20, beginning in verse 7. I believe this is what they may be referring to, uh, the other short portion where the wicked will rule for a time. And this is uh, Revelation chapter 7 through 10, sorry, chapter 20, 7 through 10, and the Bible says this. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan will be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is, is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. When you read uh, Revelation chapter 20, it is describing the uh, what we call the, the thousand years and then after the thousand years. And so after the thousand years, there's a resurrection of the wicked. As God's saints in the city, of course, come back down to the earth. And then in verse 8, it says that uh, Satan is loose for a time and he goes out to deceive the nations. Mm -hmm. So this is the second resurrection the Bible speaks about in Revelation. But it is a resurrection of the wicked. And the, and the Bible says in verse 8 that Satan gathers them together to battle. Uh -huh. So they're going to fight. Well, the question is, fight who? Yeah. Well, they're going to try to see if they can fight God and, of course, try to take over the city. And so when the city comes down, they, for a time, uh, think that, yeah, we can, we can actually take it. And so, of course, they, they seem to try. Uh, however, their efforts are, um, you know, are, don't happen because the Bible says that uh, God then rains down fire from heaven and, uh, and consumes them and destroys them. And this is what the Bible describes as the second death. This is the, the full uh, annihilation of the wicked, of those who completely do not uh, love God or want to be part of his kingdom. So they try to take by force at the end what they could not, no, they try to take by force at the end what God had offered them for free all throughout their lives. Mm. And so this is after the thousand years that are coming back down. Uh, there's a resurrection of the wicked and the wicked think that they can, Take the city, mm -hmm. and uh, of course, uh, judgment begins, and of course they uh, they are destroyed. Yes. So, in that sense, the the wicked they don't rule for a time; they attempt to rule, they attempt to conquer and take control, uh, but that does not actually happen. Uh, God, of course, uh, is still the Lord. Yes. And He still sits on His throne. And you may have an, uh, other questions regarding this particular subject. Uh, whether about the lake of fire or the second coming or the millennium. And please, if you do, call us in at our radio station. We'll be happy to set you up with a study guide. Yes. Uh, we can drop it off or have somebody study with you. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible topic.
Yes. And if you have a question, go ahead and give us a call on yes. Guam, right? 472-1111 or in the CNMI, 670-323-1113. You could also text WhatsApp and signal us. Error code 671-686-9999, free from the CNMI. Or you can even email us at Bible at joyfmradio.net and we're streaming live on Facebook. Go ahead and leave your comment in the comment section below. Absolutely. And Scotty, I want to go back to a question that was in the comment section last week. Uh-huh. And it was the question regarding cremation. Oh, yes. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that was a great question. We mm-hmm. told the, the the listener that we're going to go ahead and take a week to study it out mm-hmm. and uh, see what the Bible says, see what text we can find. I mean, it is straight from the Bible, so we want to make sure we get it straight <laughs> yeah. from the Bible. So I did find a presentation from, from a pastor as I was looking through this, and I found that this was kind of the most... Um, uh, the most appropriate, appropriate, you know, as an answer. And so, uh, you know, I went through Pastor Bachelor's presentation on cremation, and I'm glad that the, the listener brought it up, because uh-huh. like I said before, this was nothing that, that was ever something I, I thought of, you know, back in my native island. It was only something I began to see as I, I went out, right. and I saw that other places actually practice it. And so, I didn't know much about it. And so, here's some facts that uh, the pastor had shared, uh, you know, particularly in the U.S., to the year 2020, about 50% of the population, of the U.S. population, uh, they chose to be cremated. And mm-hmm. so it's actually been rising and rising and rising over the years. And they estimate that by 2030, it'll be, of course, it'll be much more than that. Wow. Uh, they probably mean another 35% increase. And so there is this, um, a growth of people that are wanting to be, to be cremated. Mm-hmm. There are many reasons why. So these are some of the reasons that are listed. Uh, the Bible does say that as dust we are, we dust we go back to the earth because yes. we're made from the dust. It is an economical reason. There's about a four or five thousand dollar difference, maybe more, between uh, being buried or being cremated. Being cremated being the cheaper option, mm-hmm. the more affordable. It's convenient if you die in another country. Uh, it's better to just be cremated there rather than having to ship your body and all the expenses uh, to cover your your right. transportation. Uh, the environmental considerations, about 99% of the people in Tokyo are cremated because as uh, as uh, land, of course, is, is taking up space, uh, things like cemeteries you know, become less and less and less. I went to an island, Scotty, where uh, it's a small island, and the cemetery just grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And so what they either need to do is they either need to dredge uh, in order to fill in more land to have a bigger cemetery, or the, the cemetery may just really take up most of the island as time continues on. So there are environmental reasons and for space reasons. And uh, another one is uh, there are more options for a person who's cremated to scatter their ashes uh, in different places here and there, maybe uh, at a place that's important to uh, the person, whereas you can't do that with a human body. You can't just dump a human body anywhere. And so one of the positive benefits it has is it's a tangible spot or a place for families to come and visit. You know, there are some cemeteries that are just beautiful, and they're beautiful places for families to come and visit the grave sites of their loved ones. And that's one, that's one uh, benefit. Another one is there's lasting security. Cemeteries are protected by law, and so 
uh, they'll always be there. You could never worry that a, a body of a loved one may, uh, in a cemetery, might be turned into a, a department store, the, the land at least, and they have to be moved and things like that. So they are protected by law. And so let's give some examples of people in the Bible that were burned. And so there was, of course, a story of Sodom and Gomorrah. There's a story of Achan and his family, which is Joshua chapter 7, verse 25. That's Joshua 7, verse 25. And the burning often represented a sense of judgment. And you find that in 2 Kings 36, verse 16. 2 Kings 23, verse 16. Now, it wasn't always a negative thing. You have the story of King Saul and his sons. We find that in 1 Samuel chapter 31. Uh, King Saul, his sons, and Jonathan, they lost uh, in a battle of the Philistines. And the Philistines had hanged their body. And then some um, some of the soldiers and warriors from Jabeth Gilead, they went in by night and they took the bodies down of King Saul and his sons. And, of course, they, they burned their bodies. And we do know that Jonathan was, was righteous and that Jonathan will be in the kingdom of heaven. So those are some of the uh, negative examples and some positive examples. And then you also find that burial was kind of a traditional thing that happened in the Bible. You had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were all buried in Machpelah. Joseph himself was buried. Isaac was buried. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34, 5, and 6, you see that God himself buried Moses. And then in the New Testament, you have Stephen in Acts 8, verse 2. He was buried. Uh, Acts 2, 29, uh, the, the, we're told that David is dead and buried. And in the book of Acts, Annas and Sapphira, although they were wicked, and God, uh, you know, judged them wicked and they died. They were also buried. And Judas himself was also buried. And so in the thinking of the people uh, in that time, you know, the Judeo-Christian culture, in their minds a person was made in the image of God. And so there was something holy about, something about that, that even though they were dead, they're still made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so they had kind of a, a sense of respect for that. So they would still bury them. And... Uh, we find cases all throughout the the Old Testament and the New Testament of people being buried. And, of course, Jonathan was burned. And so now I guess the real question then would, 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 we would ask is, you know, is it a sin to be cremated? Right. And the answer is, well, I'm so glad to know that this is not a, really a, a salvational issue mm-hmm. because the Bible, like we said last week, it never, it neither condemns nor supports uh, cremation. Uh-huh. And so we cannot say, yes, it is a sin, because the Bible says, thou shalt not cremate. Uh, we don't see evidence of that in the Bible. And so what was more important than what happened to the body after you die mm-hmm. was what happened to you while you were alive. <laughs> that was more important. <laughs> yeah. It was more how That's you true. lived, not right. how you were when you were dead. That mattered more. And so, although the it seems as we see the tradition of the Bible um, of prophets and many others, they were buried as kind of a sign that they will be resurrected one day. But at the same time, we have many, many people who were burned at the stake, turned into ash. And uh, when God comes back, he's not going to have a problem putting them back together or restoring them, making them new. What is most important is that there will be a resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so I would not spend so much time, you know, wondering whether it's a sin or, or not a sin, because the Bible 
doesn't say much about it, and therefore I really have nothing much to say about it either. I do know that the Bible does say in John 5, 28, 29, that there will be a resurrection yes, of the just and, and the wicked. And then in 1 Corinthians 15 and 44, 53, it describes how we will be given um, a new bodies. This corruptible will put on, this corruption will put on incorruption. Mm-hmm. And then in Philippians uh, 3, 21 says that our bodies will be changed to become like the body of Jesus, will be glorified. So I, I really want to encourage uh, people, if it is an issue, don't worry, it's, it's not a, a salvational issue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, uh, you don't have to worry about people that you love who have died and they were cremated if, if they were going to be lost. Nothing at all like that, that we find in the Bible. And so there are much more examples, but those are the ones I was able to gather uh, from the presentation. So what, like we said, what matters more than, than uh, how you're treated Yes. Your body when you die is really how you lived. And if you live for Jesus today, it doesn't matter what happens to your body when you die. Um, you'll be in the kingdom, mm-hmm. and God will glorify you. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Yes. What a promise from the Lord, huh? Amen. Glorify Amen, bodies, a new wardrobe. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Scott, you know what's amazing about mm-hmm. that? Is um, our bodies will be new. Right. It will be glorified like the body of Jesus. And yet we also understand that when Christ, uh, when we finally meet Christ, the only person who has a scar from earth mm-hmm. is going to be Jesus alone. The only one. The only one. In his hands, in his feet, I believe in his brow, in his, and of course in his side. Mm-hmm. He'll be the only person uh, for all of eternity who will have his scars from when he was here on earth. And those scars will be the reminder of how, how wicked sin was and what it cost God to save the lost. And by God's grace, um, I, I long to, to finally meet him oh, and yes. see those scars for myself. Those are scars of love. Yes. As you can hear from the music, Pastor, we're going into halftime. All right. But... We still encourage the listeners to give us a call on Guam, 671-472-1111 or in the CNMI, 670-323-1113. We're streaming live on Facebook right now, so go ahead and leave your questions in the comment section. We'll see it right away and we'll get it answered to you. You could also email us, bible at joyfmradio.net. That's bible at joyfmradio.net. Why not text and WhatsApp and signal your question in 671-686-9999. Don't go away. Leave it out right here. We'll be right back. Plug into life. Welcome to Plug into Life, where you connect with the source. Have you ever watched a coach as he gives instructions to his team? Have you seen the X's and O's and how each player has a spot in the board? Well, God has a giant board and he has orchestrated moves that we don't even know about. That's why his timing is not always our timing. Ask Zacharias, an old priest whose wife was barren and they never conceived until one day when the angel announced in Luke 1 that they would have a child. Zacharias couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe he has an X in God's giant game board. He would father John the Baptist. Don't despair. God has a spot in his board for you. Don't try to make your own move. He knows best. For more insights and resources, 
plug into Jesus101.tv. That's Jesus101.tv. Plug into life. Welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. Call right now with your Bible question. In Guam, it's 472-1111. In the Sinai, it's 323-1113. You can email your questions anytime to Bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit them online at joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us now for the second half of Straight from the Bible. All right, welcome back to Straight from the Bible. I'm here with... Uh, my dear co-host Scotty, and we're going through the second half of our Bible questions. Hey, Scotty. Yes, we are. Hey, Pastor. It's great to be back. Great to be back indeed. <laughs> Wonderful. So we've been going over some of the, uh, catching up with a lot of the questions. Yes. And we've been blessed. Okay, go ahead, Scotty. Thank you. And we also have a text from our WhatsApp about listener. She just said, thank you, Pastor, for following up on her question Wonderful. last Monday. Wonderful. She really appreciates it. I really thank you for, for sharing the question. I'm so glad. Uh, that it was of help. Praise God. I'm so glad you asked it. Thank you for asking. Yes. And I also I have another question from our WhatsApp. It, it's about any Bible verses that you know of that can help out with uh, how to talk to another lady. How to talk to another lady. Yes. Okay. Is there any verses in the Bible that could give some advice? Sure. Sure. <laughs> okay. How to talk to a lady. Well, I'm going to assume this is this is going to be not how to talk to your aunt or your Right. Grandma or anything at all like that. How do I talk to a lady? Well, I'm. That's a great question. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the book of First Timothy, chapter five. First Timothy, chapter five. Chapter five and verse one. And we'll have you read that, Scotty. Yes. Verse one and verse two. Verse one and verse two. All right. First Timothy, chapter five, verse one and two. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Wonderful. Now, this is Paul uh, speaking to Timothy, and Timothy was a young pastor. So this was his counsel to a young pastor. And the counsel, of course, can really um, apply to us today. Right. And he says how you relate to, to those uh, elder women in the church and the younger mm -hmm. women in the church. You treat them... Uh, the elder women as your mothers right. and the younger ones as your sisters. And then it uses that phrase, with all purity. And so if this is going to be kind of a dating question or a courtship mm -hmm. question, uh, there are many uh, sound books and articles and advice that your pastor can give and how to start from there. Mm -hmm. I think if you're very young, I think I would say, don't worry about it, you know, right. Why don't you put that on the shelf and until you're a little bit more mature? And now God has given us these wonderful, um, God has given us the desire, you know, to have a partner as Adam uh, did with Eve. But when you look at the story of Adam and Eve, here's what's incredible about the story of Adam and Eve. One is that, first of all, God made Adam. And then he made Adam first. So, Scott, I'm going to ask you, who was the first person that Adam ever loved? Eve. Ah, who's the first person before Eve? Oh, God. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so God was the very first person that Adam ever that's really right. loved. And that's Kid. the first person he ever saw. Exactly, yes, exactly. <laughs> right. And so Adam, Adam had a relationship with God. And then the second part is uh, 
uh, you know, when when Adam, I don't know whether Adam felt a need and he said to God or he simply felt the need and God put him to sleep and then he made he a woman oh. out of the man. I don't know. However, we do know that when he was put to sleep, he took a rib from his side. Of course, he opened it up, took a rib from his side, mm-hmm. closed the flesh thereof, the Bible says. And from that rib, he made he a woman. Right. But look at this. The Bible then says, then the Lord brought the woman to the man. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. The so, woman wasn't made there. Well, well, it was obviously either made there or made somewhere else. But right. obviously... Who did Adam love first? Who did he see for the first person God. he ever saw? It was God. And then it says that the Lord brought the woman to the man. So while he was making the woman, whether either closer, I would assume even far, right. then God breathed into her the breath of life, and she became a living being. Who was the first person that she saw? God. Exactly. And so I'm sure they must have talked, and you know, she then loved God first. And it was only once they both knew who God was separately, mm-hmm. they loved God individually, then the Bible says that the Lord brought the woman to the man. Yeah. They could truly love one another because they had uh, gone to the source. And you know, you could truly love another human being only if God gives you the kind of love that is worthy to be called love. And this is the reason why I believe God made them separately, mm-hmm. because it was important that they both love God first as individual people. Now, if you're going into the realm of seeking a life partner, uh, there are many ways to go about that. I, I, many, many ways. I can take the whole radio show and more <laughs> just talking about it, uh, but I'm not going to do that. However, I am going to say this. I would definitely say first, first and foremost, the question will be, do you love God? Do you love him with all your heart, soul, and and mind, and strength? That's going to be the most important thing. Because if you then love God, then you will love what God loves. And if you're at an age that's appropriate, and you sense that God is now um, uh, calling you or leading you to find a life partner, Mm -hmm. then the wonderful news is you're not going to do that by yourself. The Bible says that God will be able to lead you uh, to the right person of his choosing, and he may also lead that person to you. I'll tell you a true story, yeah. uh, Scotty. There was a, a true story of a young lady who lived in the mountains in the Philippines. Uh, she was originally from the U.S. Mm-hmm. And uh, her she was getting older and her parents were saying, listen, you got to come down from the mountain and you got to go back to the U.S. and find yourself a husband. And you're going to be a missionary to those people and you're going to be an old woman and you're not going to be married or have any children. And she just had such a heart for these natives in the, in the Philippine mountains. And she just would not come down. And she said to her mom and dad, she said, Mom and dad, if God really wants me to, uh, to have a partner, then he's going to have to drop him uh, from the sky because I'm not leaving this mountain. <laughs> I'm not leaving the mountain. Yeah. And so uh, that was it. And wouldn't you know it, Scotty, uh-huh. uh, that mountain... It was hard to access by walking. And so what they would do is sometimes they would, they've been really praying for a, a helicopter in order mm-hmm. to bring in supplies and to carry people up and down the mountain. It was, it was, so, it was so tall. And what ended up happening is one day uh, there was a, finally a helicopter 
and there was a helicopter pilot. It was a young man who wanted to uh, do mission work and serve God, and so he said, I'm going to be a helicopter pilot. I'll be in the Philippines. And so there he was. He would take his helicopter, mm -hmm. and he would fly up the mountain, and he would, of course, come down onto the, uh, onto the landing area, and he would help that young lady with her mission work, mm -hmm. bringing her back and forth uh, with supplies and sick people and all of that. And eventually, of course, they came to know one another. They both loved the Lord, and they themselves got married. Wow. Now, but here's the thing. Uh -huh. What did she say to her mom and dad? God's going to have to drop right. him from the sky. <laughs> yeah. Where did he come from again? The helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> he came from the helicopter from the sky. I love it. And <laughs> so, you know, my, my friends, uh, the Lord, <laughs> I'll say it this way. Let the Lord write your love story. All right. Let him be the one to do that. And when God writes your love story, it will be beautiful. Mm -hmm. Don't rush ahead of God. And um, if there are people in your life, you know, of the, the opposite gender uh, that you may like, you know, treat them with, be a gentleman, be treat them mm -hmm. with Christian brotherly love. And if you're at an age where it's appropriate for you to want to begin to date or to have a courtship, you know, don't let it be something between you and them. I recommend, and there are many different kinds of practices, right. but I would definitely talk with your pastor. I would talk with... Uh, you know, even the girl's family, if that's something that, if, if you really think, if you're at that age that you are seeking whether or not mm -hmm. this is going to be a marriage or not, then I would say go ahead and take those steps. Now, I'm only sharing with you just a few things, right. and there's so much more, uh, more, more, to this, more to that. So I would say sit down with somebody very wise and uh, counsel with them and open up your heart to them, and uh, may the Lord bless you as you do that. Yes. If you're at the right age, there's nothing wrong with finding a right partner uh, partner in life. If you're not there yet, I would say wait a little bit. Don't worry. Yeah, don't, don't worry. About, yeah, let God write your love story. Yes. And uh, I can assure you that it will be beautiful. Oh. The Lord bless you as you do that. Yes. That's a great you. question, Scott. It is. It is. And I love the stories. It reminded me about how there's some women when... Um, meet a lady in church or wherever you're at yeah. and she ends up going to church with her family mm -hmm. or she ends up being a Christian or whatever what, whatever denomination she is mm -hmm. you, you know um, some women seeking the Lord first absolutely why not seek the Lord with her mm -hmm. right just how Adam and Eve they first saw the Lord absolutely. and then the Lord brought Eve to Adam. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to tell you the reason why that's so important, Scotty, what mm -hmm. you just said. Because of this, you see, if a person uh, doesn't love God and is not loving and faithful to his creator, I'm going to ask a very serious question. If that person that you're thinking of does not love God and does not love his creator, is not faithful to his creator, then who are you that you think that he would love you and be faithful to mm -hmm. you? If he cannot be faithful to the one that made him mm -hmm. and gave his life for him, then who would we be that we would expect another human being made in the same image with mm -hmm. the same faults and failures mm -hmm. to be faithful and loving to us? Yes. And so I'm so glad that there is hope no matter what level of relationship people are in. And I have found that um, the, only, the only love worthy of being called love is the love that comes from God. 
because that's the kind of love that will not only be there in the sweet and wonderful times, but it is the kind of love that is steady, it is calm, it is faithful in all situation. And so when we can love God, we can love our spouses and we can love our children mm -hmm. and people much better and even more beautifully. Yes. And, uh, and it's a very important question to ask because um, the one who has the first priority in our, of our affections is the one who made us and created mm -hmm. us. And if we can be faithful and loving to the one who made us and created us, mm -hmm. then we can be faithful and loving to the other creatures and the people that he has created for us. Yes. And so I'm so glad you brought that up. It's yes. so important. Yeah. All right, and thank you for answering that question. We're going to move it on. We only have about 15 minutes oh, left yeah. into the show straight from the, the Bible. Time goes by so fast. Yes. All right. Now we're going to look at John chapter 17, verse 3 says, Now this is life eternal, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How can Jesus be God and the Son of God? How can Jesus be God and the Son of God? And the text was John 17, verse 3. Yes. How can Jesus be God and the Son of God? You know, the Bible speaks about oneness and unity. Mm -hmm. uh, and when Jesus prayed the prayer, I believe in John chapter 17, let's go there. John 17, verse 21. John 17, verse 21. He prayed something very interesting, a very beautiful prayer. Uh, can you read that, Scotty, when you get there? John chapter 17, verse 21. Yes. And it, and it reads, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Okay, great. When Jesus speaks about his oneness with the Father, uh, you know, that idea of oneness is is so full and so complete mm -hmm. that they are one in character, in purpose, and in mind, and in heart. Although they're, they're separate individuals, yet they are they're one in mind, and heart, and in everything. And that idea we find in, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve become one, that doesn't mean that they, they were one body with two heads and four arms and four uh -huh. legs. It doesn't <laughs> right. mean that at all. Uh -huh. It's trying to capture that same essence of oneness that God had and or Jesus had with, with uh, the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so there's a oneness that they possess, how they can be three separate persons, and yet they make up what the Bible calls the Godhead. So let's go to the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 9. Colossians, chapter 2, verse 9. And the way I remember where Colossians is, is I go General Electric Power Company, GEPC. <laughs> Galatians, GEPC, Colossians. I'm always getting lost every time when I'm looking for the Yeah, that's how I try to find yeah. it. General Electric Power Company, Galatians, <laughs> Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And Galatians, chapter 2, verse 9 says, The speaking of Jesus and speaking of Christ being the fullness of God, it says this in Galatians, sorry, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, For in him, speaking of Jesus, mm -hmm. dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It dwells in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When you saw Christ, you saw the Father, and you saw 
uh, the character of the Holy Spirit as well. And you saw, of course, uh, the Godhead, all of them, mm. you saw in Jesus. Now, how is Jesus the fa- how is Jesus the Son? How can he be the Son of God and God at the same time? Mm-hmm. Well, the Bible says that he is the the fullness of the God. He's the the physical representative of the Godhead. That's why when the disciples said, "Lord, show us the Father," he said, "Have I long been so with you, and uh, you have not known? If you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. You've seen the Father." Because they're so one in character that seeing one is almost like seeing the other. They're so together. Now, if you're trying to explain that by human understanding, I, I can say that it's it's going to be a, a difficult thing. Because we try to sometimes humanize in order to understand things that are way too above our understanding. Because when you ask, how could he be the Son of God and God... Then you could also have to ask, well, if he's the son of God, does that mean does he have a mom? Is there another being that's that's a mom mm-hmm. in heaven? And uh, that's when it kind of gets a little bit dangerous. So there's some things that the Bible is silent on or maybe not give a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. And that's that's okay. That's yeah. really okay. We may not, maybe there's a reason the Bible's silent about it. Right. And so how is he the son of God and God? I. I don't know the technicality of how it works. I only mm-hmm. know that that's who he is. You know, it reminds me of a story of a young man who came from college. He was a farm boy growing up as a farm on a farm. And as he came back from, from college, he said to his dad, he said, Dad, you know, I don't believe in religion anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in anything I don't understand. And I've never seen God. I don't understand God. Therefore, I don't believe that he's real. So I just want to let you know that I'm no longer a Christian. And uh, the father was a wise man poor in the things of, of this life, but wise. And he said, okay, son, you know, that's, that's okay. You don't believe in anything you don't understand. I respect that. But will you answer me a question? I said, yes, dad. I said, you see that cow, you know, you see that cow outside, that black cow? I said, yeah. Okay. Tell me this. How does that black cow eat green grass and then produce white milk that we use to make yellow butter? Mm-hmm. Do you understand that? Can you make sense of how that works? <laughs> and of course, the boy had no idea how, right. how that works. And he, he learned that the folly of trying to understand everything mm-hmm. that we may not fully understand and then not understanding it, we make that a reason for us to doubt. Uh. And the thing is, I don't know, but the Bible said it. I believe it. That settles it. Yes. Very, very simple. And so the Bible will be silent upon things, and if it's silent on some things, and I'm going to be silent about it as well. How is he God and the Son of God? Well, uh, that's because the Bible says so. <laughs> that's right. And the Bible says in Colossians 2, 2 9, that he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And even God himself calls him in the book of Hebrews, uh, thy throne, O God, or thy scepter, O God, thy throne, O God, and describes the Father calling Jesus God himself and so um, uh, how can he be able because the Bible really because, says yes, so and God says so that's the bottom line yes I hope that answers your question all right moving on to the next from Matthew chapter 27 verses 52 and 53 why is this verse not mentioned in any other book Matthew 27 verse 52 
through 53. Matthew 27, verse 52 and 53. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says this. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints, saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. And so the Bible says, I think the question is, why doesn't it appear in the other Gospels? Right. Uh, we don't know why. You know, there are other parables and stories that are located in the other Gospels that are not mentioned in, in the other ones. Mm. And one reason for that is, uh, well, I think the Lord really devised it that way. Because if you look at the four Gospels, they call them the Synoptic Gospels. Mm-hmm. The four Gospels really can also, uh, people of different personalities can kind of um, relate to the different Gospels depending on who they are. They may have a favorite Gospel, and it may be that because maybe they have a similar personality with whoever was the writer. And that's the way that God made it. So he made it so um, diverse that people can relate to it. I'll give you an example. My favorite Gospel is the book of Luke, and Luke just happened to be a doctor. And I love things related to health and things like that. Mm Now, this particular, if you're talking about why this this particular story is there, this is a special resurrection that uh, when Christ, of course, resurrected, uh, there was also another resurrection. Mm. Oh. And there are these other people that rose up with him. Uh-huh. And um, it says there that, uh, let's see, verse 53, they came out of the graves after his resurrection and went to the holy city and appeared unto many. And so we suspect that these people, of course, must have ascended with Christ uh, going up to heaven. Uh, this was a small group of people. We don't know how many they are. Mm. And they must have gone up to heaven with him. Now, what would that mean then? Why would g- God do that? Well, this goes back then to the Old Testament. And there was a practice uh, where you would take some of the, the first uh, harvest of your, of your wheat mm-hmm. And it was it was more of like the first, I guess the first batch of of the incoming harvest. Right. So they're the first fruits, I guess you would say. Yes. And they would take that and they would go before the Lord, and they would wave it, and it was called a wave offering. So you took the very first um, uh, offerings of wheat that first came out, that were grown or harvested, ready to harvest. You would take those and then you would wave it before the Lord, and that was a symbol of of many things. But one, it was also a symbol in trusting in God of the great coming harvest. Ah. So it's kind of like, you know, the first ripe or the first fruits in a mango tree that you see. So they would take the very first fruits and they would take that and they would wave it before the Lord, you know. And then that represented them, of course, trusting in God and represented them having faith of a great harvest to come. And so for that symbolically it's the same thing those first fruits of the resurrection are kind of like the wave offering they are the first fruits or the first uh, uh, grains of wheat uh, that, that Christ is going to you know offer to the Lord as a promise of the great coming resurrection towards of when Christ comes back again of the great resurrection of the saved nice. and so uh Yes, we could actually do a special study on this maybe at some time. I know the time is limited, Mm -hmm. but we could do a special study on this, and it's beautiful regarding the wave sheaf and all of that. Uh, But they're representative of of the great harvest in the end of time 
where Christ will come back and, and gather his, his righteous ones. Yes, and there's going to be the whole world yes, after, yes. after that. Uh, Absolutely. That small harvest. So in Matthew 27, verse 52 and 53, this was, there's no other verses that talks about uh, a resurrection or this particular one, I, I I'm not sure, but this particular one that I'm mm-hmm. that I'm seeing, there probably isn't. I'll have to go back and check myself. Yeah. Uh, but this may be the only place that, that it's mentioned. And and once again, there are other things that are mentioned in the other gospels that are not mentioned in, in, in other ones. Oh yeah, yeah. And so it it doesn't mean that it's missing a storyline or anything at all like that. What it's saying is God is trying to give you a full picture of of the whole story using uh, the different authors and using their uh, personalities and backgrounds in order to emphasize um, uh, what God wanted to emphasize. If you look at the book of Mark, uh, Scotty, Mm -hmm. the book of Mark, it's a short book, and they've described it as kind of the action gospel. And if you read Mark, it's very very brief, but it's very... I want to, it uses words that are very action, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Action words. Yeah, a lot of action <laughs> words. And, and that's how Mark, I guess, kind of was. Mm. You know, action, action, action. So a person who's, you know, right. who quote unquote, likes a little action, you know, uh-huh. they, they'll read that book a lot, a lot better. Uh-huh. They'll, they'll like that gospel. Uh-huh. For me, I, I like the book of Luke. And I think it's, it, may be, it may be the longest, um, longest gospel. But it has a lot of details. Yes. It has a lot of, lot of details, and I like that. And you'll find that also Matthew has details. Matthew begins with lineage and also Luke. Mm-hmm. And Matthew was a tax collector. So, of course, it would be appropriate for him to have an account of those things. And in some of the parables found in Luke, you don't find in the other, other Gospels as well. And that's for God to give you a full picture of yeah. how things are. And thank you for answering the questions again. Pastor, as you can hear from the music, yes. our time is over. Oh, not over, but, you know, it's ended for today. Absolutely. And we thank you so much for calling with your questions, writing it in, and, and uh, putting your questions on social media. Mm-hmm. And let's bow our heads for your prayers. Yes. We pray for you today. Dear loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can read your word. And Father, continue to give us understanding. And Lord, draw our hearts especially closer and closer to Christ. We love thee, Father, and we thank you. We ask a blessing upon every listener today. We thank you and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This Amen. is Pastor Masik, and this is Scotty. And we want to say good night and God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Straight from the Bible. If you missed out on your question and would like to have it aired next time, you can also email us anytime at bibleatjoyfromradio.net. Submit them at online at joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us again next time for another edition of Straight from the Bible. Until then, may God bless you as you study His Holy Word, the Bible.